0: i'm jim brown your bible teacher at grace and truth ministries i've been talking about faith every tuesday uh, excuse me every wednesday i don't know why i say that just do every wednesday we meet at wednesday and saturday at around two thirty to 3 then i teach for about an hour and a half after i read emails for about an hour answering questions for people and uh we are Teaching on faith and believe, and how it's connected with predestination. People say, "Well, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, or if you have faith in Christ." When I was a young, when I was a young teenager, my father would preach Ephesians two, eight, nine, and he'd quote this about every time he got in the pulpit: "For by grace you are saved through faith." And that not of yourselves, it, it, it is a pronoun. It has to have an antecedent. Anytime you have a pronoun, antecedent, that means the noun or pronoun it's it's referring back to. It refers back to faith. By grace she is saved through faith, it, faith, is. Faith is neuter gender, that's why it's an it. It is neuter gender. It means it's not male or female, it's an it, it's a thing. It is the gift of God. It is the gift of God. It's not of works. Now I was raised in an independent baptist preachers home not of works and my father and all of his independent baptist preacher friends they got on not of works and sounded like parrots not of works not of works not of works not of works and they would say it's not of works and works I got nothing to do with it they were ignorant what it's saying is faith is not of works but does faith work? Oh, absolutely. Faith without works is dead. James says in the second chapter of James being alone. Faith has to work. I was so confused. I did not know. My father would read. This is Ephesians 2 8 here. And he would read that. Then he'd turn around. And read Acts the 16th chapter. And he would say, he didn't say it, he read out of there where Paul was in a Philippian jail, and Paul and Silas sang praises at midnight, and God came and sent an earthquake in the jail and broke their bonds. And it was the penalty of the Romans. That if you were keeping prisoners and they escaped, you had to give your life for theirs. So this Philippian jailer came and fell down at the feet of Paul and Silas and said, what must I do to be saved? That's the perennial question among the world. How are you saved? Well, it's not, he didn't say, Paul didn't say to the Philippian jailer, would you like to accept Christ as your personal savior? He didn't say, would you pray this sinner's prayer and mean it with all your heart? He didn't say that. It confused me because what he said was, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on. When you believe on Christ, that does not mean that you believe that Jesus was a man who lived 2,000 years ago and he walked around on earth. It doesn't mean that. It means you have to believe in everything he said was true. That's believing in Christ. You say, well, I believe in God. Believing in God is not enough. You have to believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. This is in... Hebrews the 11th chapter a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, diligently, diligently seek is the word. Well, oh, I'm put a Z there. Diligently seek is one word in the Greek. Ek this is right here one word. tail. It is a form of ek and "zetel." "Zetel" means to seek out our worship. And ek means seek out diligently. It means to really seek after Christ. You have to believe that he exists first of all and that you have to diligently seek him. But how you do that I couldn't understand how could the Bible say we're saved by grace through faith and we had to believe and I got to thinking when I was young 13 14 15 I thought well are these two different words I have always tried to investigate everything that I believed about something I've been analytical I didn't know I was till I grew up I've been analytical about everything that anybody ever told me. I didn't know when I was five and six and seven years old until I grew up that I was analyzing everything because I would see some TV commercial when I was 11. I'd say, how can that be? That don't make any sense. And I would, but I thought, I'm just too dumb and too young to know, so I'll forget it and go on and accept what everybody's saying. I did that all my life. So I was saying, how can faith and believe. Are those two different things? No! They're the same thing. In the Greek you have a noun, and you have a verb form of the noun. Faith is the noun. P-I-S-T-I-S. That's the word. It means to trust someone else. But if you trust someone else, that is an opposition to trusting yourself. You say, I can't do this. I give the illustration. If you go out to Colorado, there's a bridge out there. And it's called the Royal Gorge. Royal Gorge. And it's a bridge. You come up to it, and it is a drop, a thousand feet or something like that. And this bridge goes over this Royal Gorge, and you... You have to trust the fact that the men that built that bridge, they brought out engineers and they brought, they checked the tensile strength of the cables that hold that bridge up. Tensile strength is the strength that something has to hold something. And you have to trust that the men that built the bridge, how do you trust it? You drive out on it. If you sit there and say, I've got to go get an engineer myself before I drive across that bridge and get him to check all that out, but you still may not have a guy that's really responsible. You have to trust it by driving out onto the bridge and driving across. See, that's what trust is. It's believing that God is doing what He says He'll do and believing that everything that He's doing is of God. Now, believe... Is, faith is the noun. I keep telling everybody that. You know why I keep saying that? Because I didn't know what the difference was. Does anybody else ever question that? Why the Bible would say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saved by grace through faith. Believe is the word P-I-S-T-E-U-O. I've said this before, P-I-S-T-E-U-O. do. see the word P I S T p-i-s-t on faith and on belief that's the stem of the word everything is built on the stem the the word ending will tell you something about the word if it's a verb if it's a noun what kind of movement the noun has this is the stem so believe this is the verb and a verb shows action And faith is the noun, and that is the thing. So they're basically the same word. And if you want to see what believe is, then you look for an action of faith. Well, the Bible says, over in Galatians, the fifth chapter, let's turn over to that. Galatians 5. This is one of my favorite verses on this right here. Galatians, the fifth chapter. The fifth chapter, and you go into verse, verse, let's read here a little bit of this. In verse four Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Now, every time you see law, you've got to stop and think. The law came in two parts. It came in the letter, the letter and the spirit. Now the Bible tells us in First Corinthians excuse me, Second Corinthians, the third chapter, the third chapter, that the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. When you're thinking of the letter of the law, the letter is the rituals. And the Bible speaks of the deeds of the law. Deeds is the word ergon. What do you mean by the deeds of the law? That had to do with all the rituals that they performed at the temple every day when they would go to the temple and the priest would offer sacrifices upon this altar here and they would come and wash at the brazen sea and then they had the veil here and the and the ark of the covenant on the inner sanctuary and on the outer sanctuary of course that was a beaten gold outer sanctuary had the seven candlesticks the altar of incense and the table of showbread and these were all beaten gold also and this There were six pieces of furniture to the temple. You had the brazen altar. Notice that brazen altar. And any time you see the altar, it'll either be referred to the golden altar or the brazen altar. So if it says golden altar, then you'll know it's this one here. And this one represented the prayers of the saints, according to Revelation, the fourth chapter. And the Ark of the Covenant is sprinkled and our hearts are sprinkled and the law is written on fleshy tables of our hearts now and the law was written on tables of stone kept inside the Ark of the Covenant and the Bible says that the seven candlesticks is the seven churches now and that we being many are one bread and one body so we're, we're the bread because Christ is in us. So this is what so when you're talking about the letter, the letter is all the rituals they did. They offered a lamb every morning about sun up, somewhere around 6 o'clock and a lamb every evening at at sundown around 6 in the evening. So these rituals were blotted out. That's the letter of the law. They couldn't keep all of those when the priest would come in and go in here and offer the uh, offer the blood of a goat on the Day of Atonement in the 16th chapter of Leviticus, all of that was done away with because now Christ is the Lamb. We give our bodies a living sacrifice on a cross every day. So all the rituals of the law were blotted out. So whenever you see the deeds of the law is talking about the works or the rituals of the law everything that was once literal is now spiritual it's the spiritual thing well i have people ask me all the time there's a couple of questions that they ask about predestination how does that fit in with faith and with belief and they'll ask me how do this is something people ask me all the time How do I know? I've had this question asked many times. How do I know I'm predestinated? (laughs) And how does predestinate fit in with belief and faith? Faith is something that you don't conjure up in your life. Faith is something that God puts in your heart. The Bible says that. Let me tell you how to study this. You've got to take a concordance, look up the word faith, and look at if you really want to learn, just take the New Testament word faith and look every time and read all those verses on faith and see what it is and what it does. You gotta know what faith is and what does faith do? What? It is faith. And if you define faith, you're going to be defining believe, and believe is what it's doing, because believe is a verb. It's a verb, so therefore being a verb, it has movement to it as movement. That's an action verb, what you do. I always think of those verses that he that doeth truth cometh to the light. He that doeth righteous is righteous. If you have faith, you're going to work. You're not going to do the deeds of the law, but you're going to work for God. Work for God. Now, first of all, nobody, when they come to truth, Nobody before they come to truth, you have something that happens into your life as a believer. Let me kind of put this on the board and help you to see it. You're born into the world, you're born as a person. You're born, let me erase all this. You're born, so I was born in Dallas, Texas. May 16th, 1939. I will be 82 come this May. I was born in Dallas. And I grew up. You're born in the flesh. Now then you live whatever life you live. Either a bad life or a good life. Good parents or bad parents. And you come to a place one day. Or you know right from wrong. Right from wrong. And then you go straight to sin. You do the same thing that Adam and Eve did when God says, here's this tree, thou shalt not. But since you're made of corruption, you will go to sin. You go to sin. And all the time that you're in sin, God protects you and keeps you from dying. The Bible says so. No dying while you're in sin. That is, if you are one of God's predestinated elect. You have to be one of God's elect In order for God not to let you die while you're in sin. And then faith comes into your life. But you don't have any faith. You don't have any ability to conjure up or to muster up faith in your life. It's not there. The Bible says so. Let's just work through this real slow. Go over here to Romans then I'm going to come back to Galatians the fifth chapter to Romans 3 Romans 3 I'm going to try to be as elementary as I can to show you why God has to put faith in your heart because you don't have any you're dead when you're dead in sin you can't call on God that you don't believe in now When does a person start believing? That's a good question. Do you know that I don't have any idea when I started believing? Do you actually know and can you tell me the place and time? People always said, I can remember the time that I walked down the aisle and I accepted Christ. That doesn't mean nothing because you can't accept Christ. Let me ask you this, and I've said this before. Some preachers give an invitation hymn. Don't believe in invitation hymns. God is commanding His people to come to Him. Jesus said, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. So when He's commanding you to come, let's just say you're back there in the back of a church, some preacher's preaching, if you don't know tonight, and this may be your last chance, if you don't walk this aisle and accept Christ as your Savior, you may leave here and die and go to hell. (laughs) Have you ever heard that? I've heard that. And that's a bunch of hooey. All that the Father gives me shall come to me, Jesus said. Nobody is going to get lost and go off into hell when God wanted them saved. Jesus said, everybody that's mine will come. And let's say that you're back there in the back and you're sitting there and you're hearing some preacher preach like that. and You're going, oh, gosh, I don't know if I need to go. I really want to go down. I really want to walk down the aisle. You ever been there? I've been there a dozen times. (laughs) More than that. I wanted to walk, I wanted to accept Christ, and I didn't know how to do it, and I didn't know if I did, if I could accept Him. And let me ask you this. When you're saved, is it the first step you take, or is it a half a step you take? Is that when you accept Christ? Or is it when you get halfway down the aisle, and you're willing to find Christ, and you're halfway down, is it that point? Or is it when you get out down down at the end of the altar, and you say, Dear Lord, or is it when you say, Dear or is it when you say de? Where did you believe de or dear? Or dear Jesus, save me for Jesus' sake. Was it then? It's not any of these. All of that scared the life out of me as a little kid. I had to grow up and study these words to find out. My father did not know what he was talking about, and he was a Baptist preacher. And he preached, Accept Christ as your personal Savior. He preached walks of the aisle, and he would give ten verses of Just As I Am, another seven or eight of Almost Persuaded, and then beg people while the piano player played softly and tenderly over and over and over again. And for 45 minutes to an hour, we'd be down there, him giving these invitation poems to beg people to come in. And I stayed frustrated my whole life as a boy. I'd be out playing. I remember being playing. We lived on Grover Street in Fort Worth, and I'd go down to the end of the street, and there was a train track. It wasn't exactly the best part of town. And I went out into the field out there, the other side of the train track, and I'd be looking up at the sky, and I'd see a big white cloud, and I'd say, Is Jesus coming in that cloud? And I don't know if I'm saved or not. you ever been there? I have to bet you Connie has because she had a father like that I don't know if I'm saved or not I don't know if I'm going to heaven and I'd be trying to pray the sinner's prayer out there while I was playing at 11 and 12 years old it's just wrong now look here in in Romans Romans 3 this has really been misconstrued completely something you need to understand about Romans Romans is a polemic book. What do you mean, Jim, polemic? It comes from the word pole. You call that polemic. You have a battery. You got two poles on a battery. You got a positive and a negative. Y'all didn't know I knew that much, did you? You got a positive and negative. These are poles. You gotta hook up to both of them in order for the car to start. You've got the world. It's kind of egg shaped. You got the North Pole and the South Pole. This this means a separation. A separation. You got a separation between the poles. What you had in Israel, and you cannot understand the book of Romans unless you understand the polarized situation they had there. You can't understand it. No possible way. What I'm talking about is they had some Christians that were Gentiles, and you had Jews that were Christians. So you had Gentile Christians and you had Jewish Christians. And some of the Jews thought, well, God loved us first and he loved us best. Sounds like Tommy and Dickie's mothers, doesn't it? He loved us best, therefore we're better than these over here. And Paul was setting them straight through the whole book without understanding the polarized situation, don't even worry about reading the book of Romans. Once you learn that, you can see it all the way through the book. In fact, he says here in, he says here in the second chapter of Romans, and he says some of these verses that I'm talking about, about believing, about doing. For as, verse 12, for as many of us, As have sinned outside of the law shall also perish outside the law. It says without the law, means outside of. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not just the hearers of the law are just before God. Now just is the word, that's not a hard word. It's the word dikaiode a-i-o-o we get the word dikayaosune d-i-k-a-i-o-s-u-n-e dikayaosune is the word righteous it's amazing you have the word right in righteous and dikayaosune means just just or innocent means to render innocent and it's all comes from the word d-i-k-e d-k is the pronounced d-k it's the word right when you see righteous it just means to do right do what's right does anybody have to tell you what that is or do you know it in your heart you know what's right and what's wrong If it's questionable, leave it alone. Is it okay for, my brother-in-law asked me one time, he said, Jimmy, I really liked a beer when I wasn't a Christian. Is it okay for me to drink? I said, can you drink without getting drunk? Can you drink without my sister or your kids seeing it, your daughter seeing it? Can you hide in a closet and it never be smelled on your breath and drink in there? Can you keep it away from everybody and nobody ever know you do it? It looks like an appearance of evil. Probably you can't. So you have to learn to do what's right for the world. You live for others and not for self. When you live for self, you're living to fulfill your own desires. and That, that takes you back to the tree in the garden when you want to fulfill the flesh. So... You do what's right. Now, let's get back to that same verse. So not the hearers of the law are just are right. When you see just, think right. Just doesn't mean to be saved. But when you're saved, the inner man is saved and the outer man is still in the flesh. But the doers of the law shall be justified, dekaio. Well, the doers, when you do the law, you don't do the rituals of the law. Every time you find the deeds of the law, or the rituals of the law, or the works of the law, it's always the word ergon. Well, you've seen me put that on the board a bunch. The works of the law are these, and it names adultery, fornication, so forth. Then he says, So he's addressing this polarized situation at Rome. When the Gentiles which have not the law do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Did you know that they have not been able to find any tribe in the world as of my last research? that doesn't believe that it's wrong to mess with another man's wife. They can't find any tribe anywhere. They believe that's a sin by their terminology or by their definition. And then he says, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. So that means people say, how can God condemn people who are on some river in South America, five hundred miles from from civilization, how can he condemn them to hell? Well the Bible says they're vessels of wrath, fitted to destruction, they're natural brute beasts, made, are born to be taken and destroyed in Second Peter two twelve. And then he says, So he's talking about the Gentiles know in their heart what they shouldn't be doing. Their conscience also bearing witness And their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. They excuse themselves from the sin that they do. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. He says, Behold thou art called a Jew and rest us in the law and make us boast of God. He said, Just because you're a Jew living here at Rome and you're boasting in God because you say God loved us first in the Old Testament, Paul said that's not right. Now, go down here to, I want to read to you how none of us have any righteousness in us when we first come to Christ. And he says down here in verse 1 of chapter 3, What advantage then, what advantage has the Jew? What he's talking about is a Jewish Christian at Rome. What advantage does he have over the Gentile Christians at Rome? This is something you need to learn before you ever read Romans. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Circumcision was a term for Jews. He's talking about the Jewish Christians compared to the Gentile Christians. A Gentile is everybody that's not a Jew at Rome much every way. Here's how, here's the advantage the Jews have. Chiefly, because unto the Jews were committed the oracles of God. The law was given to them first so it could could condemn them first. Then he says, for what if some did not believe? Gosh, that takes us back to unbelief. Remember unbelief, if you see something where there is no faith or unbelief, no faith when you, there are verses that says in the Bible that they had no faith, no faith would be a p i s t i s pistis being the word faith, the alpha primitive, the first letter of the Greek alphabet, as a negative particle will negate the word. In your concordance, it will say the alpha as a negative particle. It will have to say that in your concordance. It will actually say one as a neg part. That's abbreviation for negative particle. One when you look in your concordance the first thing in your dictionary in the back of your concordance will be an alpha A and it will say alpha so one would be the alpha now the alpha can be a connecting particle but it will have to say one as a negative particle When it says that, you just put the A in front of the pistis. Negative means it negates, gives you an opposite meaning to the word that's going to follow. So, pistis, any time you find the word unbelief, all except twice, the other time it will say A, it will say a-P-E-I-T-H-O-S. Pythos means persuade. It's the same thing as unbelief because it means, the alpha in front of that means not persuadable. That's the same thing as unbelief. Twice the word unbelief is translated. Apithos, the other time, unbelief is persuaded. Apistos, no Faith. So, anytime you find unbelief, and if you find the word "no faith," as you find in the last chapter of Romans, the fourteenth chapter, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. When it says "not of faith," not of faith would have the same meaning as unbelief or apistis, wouldn't it? It'd be the same thing. You find. No faith and unbelief, which means no faith. So, what we're trying to do is match up faith and belief with predestination. Let's go back to this third chapter of Romans. Let's read into this thing that we've said so much about. They, the Jews had the oracles of God. They had the law given to them on Mount Sinai in the Old Testament. And God only gave the law to the Jews. For some did not believe, not believe, can't we call that apistus? no faith? Couldn't we call that that? You understand what I'm saying? If it says not believe or no faith, then you can put unbelief, pistus for that. You, things equal to the same thing are equal to each other. And what if some did not believe? That means no faith. What I want to show you in this study, what is no faith? We know what faith is. Everything that faith is, no faith is the exact opposite. Now he goes on to say, shall there unbelieve somebody that doesn't believe God? Let me say this the way I believe it says shall their unbelief make the faith of God of none effect. Does that mean if somebody doesn't believe God, those of us that do believe God, does that mean that God doesn't exist in our life? God forbid belief is still true whether anybody believes it or not. God's word is true. I had a sticker on my car. The Bible is true whether anybody believes it or not. That's what. That's why it makes it so easy for me to preach to people out in public. I don't care whether anybody believes it or not. I've spent my life in the Word, and I know what it says, and I know what it means, and I don't care whether they believe it or not. If they're elect, they'll hear this somewhere along the way. They may not hear it today when I tell them. And if they're not elect, and they get angry at me, it doesn't matter. Because they're never going to come anyway, right? So what we do is we just keep going. God forbid. Yea, let God be true and every man is a liar. That is, when he doesn't have Christ in him, you've got to keep remembering we've got the inner man, which is Christ in you, and he does the work of God, and we've got the outer man, which is self, and he does the works of the law of the flesh. I love the inner and the outer man as much as anything I teach. Then he says, Let God be true and all men liars, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, pronounced right in what you're saying, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Every time you see overcome, every time in the Bible, it's the word nikao. N-I-K-A-O. That's the word overcome. It is the verb form, the verb form of victory. Victory is the noun, remember? Believe is the verb, faith is the noun. You got the same thing. Every time you find overcome, it's the word nikao. The noun is nike. Nikkei. nikao is the verb. Nikkei is the noun and that's the word victory. And what is the victory that overcomes the world? Even our faith. Whatever faith is, you got to know the difference between belief and unbelief. You got to know the difference between faith is. This is why I didn't understand it. Nobody ever explained it to me of course my father didn't know anything about the Greek and he wouldn't have any idea what he's talking about are you trying to put your father down no my father was very ignorant he thought he was smart he tried to act like him kind of like your father he always told you how smart he was and how much he knew and he didn't he couldn't tell me the difference between faith and belief so when you have faith everything that faith is And everything that faith does. Faith is and does. Notice is would be the noun. And what it does would be the verb. What it does. Everything that it is. And it is. I'll go ahead and put it on the board. Faith is. And people say, how do I know I'm saved? Do you have faith? Well, I don't know. That's what confused me as a kid. I don't think any human being ever walked the aisle more than I did. That's why I hate walking down the aisle to accept Christ. I don't think anybody accepted Christ more than I did. I was so worried when I was eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen that i didn't that I wouldn't save, and I walked the aisle over and over and over again, and my father kept dipping me in water over and over and over, and other two or three other preachers get dipped me in water and I was frustrated. Anybody be frustrated besides me because I didn't know how to accept Christ? I've told the story before, but I remember one time he was in Grapevine, Texas. It was a little bitty tiny town back then. I hear it's really grown a lot, and he put up a tent. And he preached one of these hellfire messages, and if you don't know tonight, this may be your last chance. And I kept thinking, if I walk down there, I don't know how to accept Christ. I've walked the aisle and said I've accepted him over and over again, and I don't know how to do it. I thought, well, what I'll do is take a, go down the aisle, take a songbook, and hand it to Daddy and say, Daddy, hand that back to me, and I'll pretend I'm accepting Christ. I didn't know that I was already a believer the fact that I was seeking him I was diligently seeking the Lord exzato I was diligently seeking him remember that word teo diligently seek exzato teo means to worship means to seek out Zedteo is the same word in Matthew, the sixth chapter. Take no thought for your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or how you'll be clothed. Heavenly Father, know that you have in need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek is the word Zedteo, kingdom, that's Israel, and God's right, his righteousness and when you're seeking the kingdom and what's right, then you're a believer. This belief has nothing to do with how you feel. It's nothing to do with feelings. If it did, how would you feel if you're dying in a hospital and somebody come in and said, do you know you're saved, brother? And you got a 105 fever. Do you want somebody asking, do you know you're saved? All you're going to do is say, nurse, get that guy out of my room. You don't feel saved. You don't feel anything but sick. You're dying. But it has nothing to do with your belief in God. You get over get over this emotional belief. That's has nothing to do with belief. Now, let's keep reading here. How ah, where are we? God forbid. Let every God be true, and every man a liar, as it is written that thou mightest be justified, right. When you see just or justified, think right. In thy sayings, be sure you say the truth to everybody. And mightest overcome, overcome. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So it's important to find out what it is and what it does. Then he says, when thou art judged, But if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, our unrighteousness commends God's righteousness in us. Of God, what shall we say is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I don't have time to go into this, but taketh is not the word taketh. It's the word pharaoh epi. P-H-E-R-O. Epi means to cover. It means to cover, to take God's. Not, it's not vengeance. It's orge. The orge is feminine gender. It's the it's the rage of covetousness. It's God unrighteousness who places the orge upon man and makes them unrighteous. When did he put the orge on us? Well, he put it on Adam when, he's, when he created Adam. He created him out of corrupt dust. So it means to place the orge upon man. He placed it on the first man, and then it, sin is not passed down from one generation to the next, but responsibility is when we come to faith. Faith is the gift of God. By grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Gift does not mean something that comes wrapped up in a box and has got a bow in it. That's not what it's talking about. That's not the gift. It's not talking about that. Gift is the word Doran, it means a sacrifice. So Ephesians two eight says, Faith is a sacrifice of God. He has to put it in your heart. Faith is something that God puts in us that are His elect family. He puts it in us and we come to a place where we learn how to die to the flesh. Proof of that is the definition of what faith is. Has anybody been... Confused about faith as much as I was. that ever confuse you what it is? It's the ability to die to self. Death to self is faith. And the Bible tells us faith is. Here's the definition of faith Hebrews 11 and 1. Hebrews 11 and 1. This is the best definition of faith in the Bible. It is a sacrifice that God puts in us. This very chapter here that we're reading says, you can't have faith, you can't do it yourself, you can't go to God on your own, you can't call on God, you can't accept Christ, you can't do anything. How in the world are you a believer? God has to pick you out. Arrange your life to come across truth. Convict your heart and he has to put faith in your heart. Faith has, let me put it this way. Faith has to come to you. You cannot... come to faith you can't seek faith well how do you have it gods it's a sacrifice a Doran in your heart that God's got to put in there if you have a desire to live for others and for God only God put that there because this chapter says so right here let's keep reading is God unrighteous that places this orge upon man where man wants to do nothing but fulfill his own self and get angry? That's what orge is. That's the, orge is the wrath of covet of a covetous man. It's feminine gender because it comes out of Babylon. Babylon is the mother of all idolatry and Babylon is about self. Let me make up my own doctor, my own name. My own authority. That's man's authority that's written in his mind and in his heart is the same thing as the mark of the beast when he's a sinner. Now and he goes on to say, God forbid for then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie, Paul speaks of himself having a lie. That's what he's talking about, when he was living for himself. Unto his glory, and yet am I also judged a sinner, and not rather as we be slanderously reported, and as, because they run down, Paul, and talk about how you used to kill Christians for a living. And as some affirm that we say, Let us do evil, that good may come, whose damnation is just. I've had people had one guy leave here and he said, I've been predestined to be out here living in sin. I said, No, you haven't. I said he said, Well, I'm chasing women, I'm drinking now. I said, Well, that's not what God predestined. God predestined you to conform to Christ's likeness. What then? Verse nine. Are we better than they? He's talking about he's a Jew. He's a Christian, writing to Rome, saying, Are we as Jews better than the Gentiles? No, in no wise, for we have both proved, both Jew and Gentile at Rome, that they are all under sin. So he saying, Every man is under sin. And He doesn't have anything to, he can't come to God. And then he says, as it is written in Psalms 14, starting in verse 1, there is none righteous among Jew and Gentile who have grown up and come to the truth and lie. They know the difference between the two and they go straight to the lie. There's none righteous among Jew and Gentile, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, and boy, the last part of this verse tells you, there's no way you can seek God on your own. There is none that seeketh after God, Zeddeo there's nobody seeks God on his own no one without predestination nobody's coming nobody's going to come to God without God picking them out and putting faith in their heart because faith is the sacrifice comes from God he puts it in your heart and he causes you to have understanding but the Bible says there's none that understandeth doesn't it say that right there if there's none that understandeth the bible says in hebrews 11:1 faith is understanding it actually says faith is the substance substance of, of things hoped for substance Hupostasis is the word substance. Hupostasis. Hupo means under. Stasis means to stand. Faith is understanding. This verse right here says there's none that understands. If nobody understands, how's anybody going to get into the kingdom? God has to pick people out, put faith in their heart, and predestine them prohorizo, to conform sumarfas. to be shaped in fellowship with, to be conformed to the image, icon, to the likeness of Christ. Predestination is about what we do, and he teaches us to do so that we will be just before God when we do what's right. D i d k. Comes from justified, o comes from righteousness, when we do righteousness. Well, when we do righteousness, that's because God is pro-horizo, because there's none that seeketh after God when he's dead in his sin. Nobody. Predestination is an absolute necessity for anybody to get to heaven. Nobody's going otherwise. No one. And then as to read on. There's none that understandeth. Faith is understanding. Where did you get it? Did you conjure it up in your heart? Nobody conjures faith up. This is the most mysterious thing, and it's God's secret. He just simply says, This one's mine, and that one's mine, and this one's mine. And I'm not going to leave it up to you. I'm going to arrange your entire life. I'm going to time everything. He's determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Time has a boundary to happen. I'm going to bring you up to this point and convict your heart, and you're going to believe because I'm going to put faith in your heart. That's the ability to die to the flesh. He puts it in the hearts of the believer. The unbeliever don't ever wonder if they're saved. The unbeliever don't ever wonder if they have faith. Every time somebody worries about whether they got the right kind of faith or whether they prayed the prayer right, they're believer. You, A man that has no inner man and hadn't been birthed in him, what's he going to worry with? Nothing. It's just not the way these people are saying. Now... Let's read some more of this. He's talking about Jew and Gentile, isn't he? he said that from he said that from verse nine. Jews and Gentiles there at Rome. There's a battle between them. There's none that understand, there's none that seeketh after God. They, Jew and Gentile are all gone out of the way, out of the hodos. They're not in the narrow way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Well, that's a famous verse and people don't even understand. Nobody in the world does good, and if God doesn't choose Himself a family, and preordain them to come to Him, and preordain before the foundation of the world, He has chosen us in Him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame, before Him in love. Having predestinated us to the adoption of children. You can't adopt yourself. Adoption, whoothousia means to place sons. H-U-I-O-T-H-I E-S-I-A. It comes from huios, H-U-I-O-S, and tithamai tithamai means to place, and huios means sons. Only God can place you as a son in the kingdom. You cannot place yourself because you don't seek God. Nobody seeks God. But there's God's given to every man a measure of faith, a measure of dying. He hasn't given everybody the same measure. He hasn't given all the men at this group the same measures given me to go out here and preach and study and study and preach and study. But since he put that in me, it don't mean I'm going to get any more eternal life or any more reward than anybody else. Paul's not going to get any more than what we get. God put it in him to want to die every day and want to preach to men so they chase him all over the country and trying to kill him but he's not going to get any more than we get god has given to every man as it has pleased him now let's read some more so between jew and gentile there's none that seeketh after god there's none good not one their throat is an open sepulchre whose throat The Jews and the Gentiles outside of Christ. It's an open sepulchre. There's nothing but a dead man inside. That's before you're born again. All you got is the outer man. With their tongues, they have used deceit. This is talking about all Jews and all Gentiles. It's not talking about a particular group. This is talking about everybody that doesn't know God. They're poisoned. And the poison of ashes under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. This is all Gentiles and all Jews that are not believers. This is not just a few. Sometimes people reading and say, boy, there's some evil people. Well, yeah, you're one of them too. Outside of Christ, you're one. Their feet are swift to shed blood. That's all Jews and Gentiles at Rome that don't know God. And the ones before they knew God, this applied to all of them, it applies to you and me. Destruction and misery in their ways and the way of peace, the hodos of peace, have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know what things soever the law saith is said to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped And all the world become guilty before God. Everybody's guilty until he puts faith in our hearts. And faith is death to self. The fact that you have faith is because you're dying to the flesh. But you won't die all at once because God's given to every man a measure there in the 12th chapter of Romans, a metron. We get the word meter from that. It means a measure. But everybody doesn't have the same amount of faith. And faith has to grow. Now, my faith has been growing for a long time because I'll be 82 soon. And that means, and I've been a believer since I was very young. But boy, have I ever gone through a, an ordeal to get to this point. I thought I'd die a long time before this. I've, I've been wicked in my life. This chapter here says so. And then he says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But those that do by nature the things contained in the law are law and self. Now go over to Galatians. Go over to Galatians. Faith has to be brought into the life of all of God's elect. I love the verse in Second Thessalonians two hundred thirteen. We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren. Be loved of the Lord because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. I was on a I was on an assembly line in about nineteen sixty two in Fort Worth, Texas working. I was about twenty three years old, sixty one, something like that. And a Church of Christ boy walked up to me, said Read me something out of the Bible, preacher. I thought, boy, this is a good chance. So I flipped over to Second 2 Thessalonians 2.13. I began to read. We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. And he started screaming, The Bible don't say that! I said, here, Joe, you read it. So i both verse 13. 2 Thessalonians, is is the a King James Testament. I had a little testament I carried in my pocket. And I quoted that to him. And he didn't like it, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Now, this right here in, in Galatians will tell you. How much time do I have, Mike? 30. All right. Galatians, the fifth chapter. Before faith comes in your life, it's an absolute necessity for God to put faith in every one of us that are his believers because we can't put it in ourselves. I want you to notice something real close. Verse twenty two of chapter five of Galatians says the same thing we was reading in the third chapter of Romans. Verse twenty two but the scripture hath concluded all under sin. Every man has been included under sin. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Notice faith and believe are in the same sentence. Faith is the noun. Believe is the verb. Pistis. Pistuo. But before faith came in our lives, before faith, notice something here. We don't come to faith. Faith comes to us. How does it come to us? God's got to send it and put it in our hearts. Before faith, E-R-C-H-O-M-A-I means to come and to enter into our, that's the word came we don't come to faith faith comes to us who sends it to us? God faith and predestination belong together since there's none that seeketh after God and before faith comes to us That's why we are dead in sin. I gave this to you a while ago, but I'll put it up here again. Now look here. We're born, and then we come to the knowledge of good and evil, just like Adam and Eve came to the tree, and they were made of corruption. And Eve goes straight to the tree, we go straight to sin. Straight to sin. While we are in sin as God's elect favored, as God's predestinated elect, as God's predestined elect, He keeps us in sin and He keeps us from dying till we get to faith now you were alive before you came to the knowledge of good and evil Paul says so in Romans the 7th chapter he said I was alive outside the law once that was from the time I was a baby until I came to the knowledge of good and evil And when I came to evil, I died, Paul said. That sin took occasion by the commandment and slew me. If it slew me and it killed me, you can't be killed unless you're alive, can you? You can't be killed unless you were alive along the way. You can't go out here and kill a rock, can you? You can get a hammer and beat it into little bitty pieces, but you can't kill it. It's never been alive. And then he says, before faith came, it had to come to us. It was sent by God and put in our hearts, and it was the ability to die. Die to the flesh. That's the inner man. We were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. The inner man was born by God. That's Christ in you, the hope of glory. The outer man was this old flesh that we received from Adam, and it serves the law of the flesh and goes all the way back to Adam. And it's corrupt. Paul said, I got the inner man that serves the law of God in the last verse of Romans 7. I've got the outer man that serves the law of the flesh. This one's been us with us since we were born. The outer man. He's always been here. And we come to we come to sin and we die. It's not the sins that you commit. This is what really boggles my mind. People say, get lost after you're saved. How many sins would it take to kill you after you've been born again? One. (laughs) So the first sin you commit after you get saved would kill you and be lost again. You'd have to get saved over and over and over again every day. Get saved. There's no such thing as get saved. Saved so-so means to be taken from one point to another point. But that's the inner man. Then he says here, Ah. But before faith came, we were kept under the law. We were kept by God. Fro Rayo. P H R O U R E O. P H R O U R E O. While we were under the law, we were protected. We were watched over in advance. We were hemmed in and protected. While we were out here in sin, we were hemmed in and we couldn't die until we got to faith. And God had his exact time appointed for faith to come in all of our lives. We were hemmed in under the law, shut up unto the faith. We were shut up, Sunkleio, S-U-G-K-L-E-I-O, K-L-E-I-O. We were kept until we got to faith. We were kept means to embrace in common subjection. You were one of God's elect before you ever came to the knowledge of it. And he has you fitted and fixed in advance for faith and you couldn't die when you were out there and you're set. But you're not going to know all that until you study the word. You were kept unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. After you come to faith it'll be revealed to you that God brought the faith in your life. It was the gift of God, the Doran. It was the sacrifice that God put in your heart, the the ability to understand and give our bodies a living sacrifice. That's what faith is. It's the ability. It's actually the ability to die to the flesh. And how do you do that? Well, you take a cross daily. And God doesn't invite you to take a cross. He says in Luke 9.23, one of my favorite verses, 9.23, Any man that comes after me and has faith, let him deny himself, deny, take up his cross daily and follow me. And he's not that's not an invitation, him. Deny is the word aparneomai. It means to utterly contradict self. But you can't do that because there's none that seeks after God unless God puts faith in your heart. That's the only way it could happen. How do you know you're a believer? You're doing what faith does. Faith works. How many times have I put this on the board? Faith works by love. Here's how you can tell if if you're a believer. Faith works by love. Love is the word agape. Whatever that is, Agape is walking in the commandments of God. Second John 6. If you're trying with all your heart to walk after God's commandments, now when you're young, you may be out there in sin, not doing what you're supposed to do, just like me, like I did. And God will bring you to a place He'll crush you, either with a debilitating disease like He's done Connie, like He's hit me with bronchial asthma, all my life and I've had all I've had two heart attacks and one heart surgery triple bypass I've had cancer surgery I'm, I'll be 82 soon and I'm not going to live much longer I'm sure glad God got a hold of me and beat me up real bad with these diseases because that's how you will know you belong to God when you Second John 6 says this is love this is Agape, that faith works by Ergon. Faith works by walking in the commandments of God. Let me put it this way, death to self. Death to self works because faith is understanding and you don't understand until God puts the desire in your heart to die and live for God and for others. You mean literally literally die? No. You die to the flesh. Let every man esteem another's wealth and not his own. That's what Paul said. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. That's death to self. There in Philippians the second chapter. Well, faith being the substance of things hoped for the understanding. If you understand, you learn. And a learner is a disciple. Learner is the word mathetase. And that's the same word as disciple. So if you learn, you understand. And that's faith. And the Bible says you can't be a disciple of Christ without a daily cross. He said you cannot. If a man does not bear his cross daily, You can't be my disciple. A cross is a... You become a disciple, death to self. But you learn that because it works by agape. And you don't do any work for salvation until God puts love in your heart. He's written in fleshy tables of my heart His love, His commandments. And this is walking the commandments of God. And this is love, this is agape, that we walk after His commandments. That was a relationship. I've said it a thousand times. That agape was a relationship that kings had for their subjects. He gave them laws and they willingly walked in them. And if they didn't, He would scourge them and punish them till they did. And He scourged me. And He scourged you too. You can't be as old as you are, Jesse and Teresa, without a scourge, can you? There's no way. Anybody that's walking in maturity in the commandments of God has gotten a severe beating from God. You cannot grow up and be mature without a beating. And we've all, got, we've all had that, haven't we? Every one of us. He has beaten me with an inch of my life. I mean, I was in the hospital dying in my mid-40s. You ask my wife. She said, I don't think he's going to live. I couldn't breathe. It's it's crazy what people think. So, faith works by love. That's in Galatians 5, Galatians 5 and 6. Faith works by agape. So faith works. It's not, not of works lest any man should boast. Faith is not of works. You can't work to get faith. Faith is the gift of God. It's the ability to sacrifice that's put in your heart. And sacrifice comes in many degrees. I come up here and preach that some people sacrifice daily on their jobs, in their life, simply by telling people the truth. It may not be real deep. You don't have to be real deep. A person doesn't need the depth of Scripture if they're elect. If they're elect, you give them John 3.16 and you give them Genesis 1, one, and they'll believe that what you're saying is true. You don't convert anybody. The Spirit does that. The Spirit quickens. Zumpo L means to make alive. The Spirit does that. We don't do that. Make alive. The Spirit does that. And the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead that lives in us and the spirit is the truth that god puts in our hearts and that's the faith which is a gift of god it's a doron and it's understanding and its by daily cross and you don't you're not interested in a daily cross when you're not a, when you're a vessel of wrath fitted to destruction when you're born to be taken and destroyed there's no need in trying to convince anybody of anything all we have to do is tell people the truth. I tell people the truth every day, and I don't care what kind of truth it is. It, you don't have to take them down the Romans road. That's crazy. Give them, Romans eight twenty nine. for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. A guy quoted that to me one day, and I felt like I got hit in the head with a ball bat. I went, whoa, I ain't never heard that before. I'm 22 years old, and I never heard anybody say that. Did it affect y'all like it did me? It just knocked me down. Now, so God's had to, and he says, read the next couple of verses. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. A schoolmaster is not the teacher in a school. Like most people think. A schoolmaster was the person that took the child to the teacher and said, teach the child. It was one that took the child by the hand and led him to the teacher. The law led us to the teacher, which is Christ. The law was a schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, to bring us unto Christ. That we might be justified by faith, but after faith is come... We're no longer under a schoolmaster. We don't have to be led anymore because it's written in our hearts. Now, let me show you something else here. Go over here to Romans 7. Babies can't go to hell if they die before they come to the knowledge of truth. Before they come to the knowledge of good and evil, how old is a child before it comes to the knowledge of good and evil? I don't know. I knew right from mom at six years old. I can tell you a story. I've told it many times. I'll never forget. I was about five years old. And things like this stuck in my mind. I was about five and my sister was three my older brother was two years older than me he was seven and we were at a supermarket and i'll never forget this i knew it like it's yesterday i'm about five and i had some kind of conviction at five because we went into this supermarket i didn't know there's such a thing as supermarkets but I know when I grew up, Buddy's was a supermarket. It was called Buddy's, and they had them all over Fort Worth. We went in. We went buy one of those coke boxes. Back then, they didn't have the Coke dispensers. They had a big Coke box and had ice all in it, and the drinks were real cold. And Daddy turned and said, y'all want a Coke? Well, they called everything a Coke back there. And Clyde said, yeah, yeah. Daddy pulled one of them up, and it was shaped like a beer bottle. And I thought, I, I can't drink that. I said, no, I don't want one, Daddy. I'll never forget that, because that shoulder had a conviction at five. I believe it's born into God's children. And I had conviction about going out on the playground. I wouldn't cuss with the little boys and talk about the girls like they did. I wouldn't run around with those guys. I believe it starts early in your life. Now, look here in Romans 7. Paul is showing you that you're alive before you come to sin. And he says it in this chapter. He says in verse 5, For when we were in the flesh as a child... The motions of sin, motions is the word pathema, it means the pain of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. That's when we started realizing that sin was sin. And then he says, what shall we say then, is the law sin? No. Verse. I'm in verse seven. Skip six. Huh? Skip verse six. No, I read that. We're delivered from the law that being dead, wherein we were held, we were dead when we went to, when we came to sin, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in oldness of the letter. The letter was the rituals. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. But where was the law written? In our hearts. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me, All manner of concupiscence, that word concupiscence is the common word for lust, epithumia, To long for that which is forbidden, epithumos, to cover our life with hard breathing. I want that, I want him, I want her, I want that car and so forth. I had not known sin but by the law. And then he says, But unless the Lord said, Thou shalt not covet, that's when he understood it. You don't understand that at three years old. Then he says, But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, of design that which was forbidden. Babies don't do that. But without the law, sin was dead. There was no sin without the law convicting my heart. For I was alive outside the law once. When would that be? Before you came to the knowledge of good and evil. As a baby. As a, don't tell me babies that are, six weeks old have sin they don't when the bible says all have sin that that in the in the third chapter of this book is talking about jew and gentile it's not talking about babies and adults i was alive outside of the law without means outside of But when the commandment came to my heart and my life, like right here, when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. To die means you have to have been alive before the death. You cannot say some person that was, there's no such thing as a person that was never alive. But sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin, taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it slew me, killed me. Sin killed me. That means he was alive some place before he was killed, slew. That means he was alive back here as a baby till the age of the knowledge of good and evil. It slew him. Then while he was in sin, he was protected, pro reo. He was kept, sincleo, in advance till he got to the faith. And that's true of every one of us. And we don't have to understand that. We can believe it because it happened in our heart. Predestination is an absolute necessity. Without it, nobody's going to heaven. Predestination is about righteousness. Whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. To be conformed. To predestinate, prohorizzo, means to predetermine for the light. The light is the inner man, and he's going to take over your life over a lifetime by fire and trial and tribulation and persecution. And God's going to bring that scourge upon our lives that causes us to learn to behave ourselves and to live righteously and to be justified and to do right. Doing right is hard when you live in the flesh, isn't it? Because you want to do The things that the flesh was to do. If you're old, when you get old, old people that are vessels of wrath fitted to destruction keep trying to fulfill the flesh. But when you are a vessel of mercy, like when I was in the hospital in my mid-40s and I threw my hands in there and said, God, you're going to kill me if I don't stop trying to be rich and famous and somebody special. I don't believe rich and famous people are going to go to heaven. Not many mighty, not many wise in this world, not many noble are called. Who are the mighty men in the world? The president, the senators, the bankers, the lawyers, the stars, the movie stars. The country singing stars. I don't believe most of these people are real popular. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you, for so do their fathers to the false prophets. Woe is a cry of damnation. There's a cry of damnation against all those stars in Hollywood. If it's Brad Pitt or if it's, he's a Southern Baptist, but he don't act like one. Well, I guess he does. (laughs) The Southern Baptists don't believe anything anymore. Uh, or name any of those guys out there or that goofy woman he was married to uh, can't even think of her name she must not be as famous as she thinks she is huh? Angelina Jolie Jolie. what a moron just stupid people Uh, none of them Clint Eastwood is not going to heaven I don't see how he can get there. He's very popular. There's a cry of damnation when all the world speaks well of somebody. If they're friends with the world, they're an enemy of God. Clint, you're not going to go to heaven when you die. you got too much money. you got too much fame and fortune. Start giving some of your money away and caring about people and caring about others. But you can't give it to some general charity like... We're going to give to this charity or that charity. They usually do that for a tax break. If they give to somebody simply because the person needs it. Before faith comes in our life, we are condemned. And we don't do anything to get faith. God picks out who He wants to have it. He puts it as a gift in their heart so they can learn to die. Without death to self... That's a daily cross, Jesus said. You can't be my disciple without daily dying. You're going to hell. Famous people. I know a lot. I've known a lot of stars in this town. I knew them when I was in music. And most of you people are going to go to hell if you don't change. The only way God can change a super wealthy person is to break their neck and make them a quadriplegic long as they can walk around and do okay. Connie, you're blessed that you got this problem. I'm blessed that I got my problems. I'm blessed that I've got chronic bronchial asthma. That's a blessing in my life. God took my voice away, otherwise I wouldn't have quit. I don't believe in I don't believe in country music, don't believe in pop music. I don't believe in movie stars. I don't believe in gospel music. Gospel singers are some of the most pagan people I've ever known in my life. They're womanizer. I've said this so many times. I've never been to a big gospel concert, and I've sung in them, where it doesn't have a sexual atmosphere, where all the gorgeous drop-dead women, drop-dead gorgeous women are going down to flirt with the guys, and they're going off to their buses and their hotel rooms with them. There's nothing Christian about gospel music. First of all, it's not gospel. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Help us to understand how we know we're believers. We're seeking you. I pray you'll strengthen the church. Cause them to be strong in the faith by adding to their faith. Lord, I don't even know what to ask you for. Just give me the strength to keep teaching and I'll keep on doing this. Fight our battles for us. I don't ever want to fight anybody again. I'll stay away from everybody who fights. Lead us to elect in Christ's name. Amen. Well, that's the truth. I believe that with all my heart. Don't you? Now you know why you've been sick.